Just a quick note before the episode begins, the PIP podcast is for entertainment purposes only. It is not a medical podcast and does not constitute medical advice. Always seek the advice of a doctor or health professional. Welcome to the PIP podcast, where we speak unapologetically about everything that affects people with uteruses. Funky poops, periods, chronic pain, you name it. PIP is here to talk about it all with plenty of laughs. So let's get Pippin. Hello and welcome back to the Pip Podcast. I'm your host, Veronica. And I'm your host, Amanda. Today, we're going to be joined by Tammy and Leah, the co-founders of the Registered Canadian Charity Endometriosis Events, also known as Endo Events, um, which is going to be such a great episode. They're so much fun. And they're going to come on and talk to us about their own journeys, for lack of a better word. I think we just said, we define this episode to call it something else. I love that. (laughs) Yeah. I love how she was like, I was trying not to say journey, but. (laughs) I guess she knows I hate that word, for lack of a better word. Um, Their own stories. That's a good one. Their own stories with endometriosis, you know, finding community in each other and why they decided to create endo events. And essentially, Endo Events raises awareness for endometriosis throughout Canada with virtual support groups, hosting in-person events, as well as creating initiatives such as political action and educating youth on endometriosis. And they kind of um, have a similar story of us, Amanda, of just like finding each other as friends. Yeah, bonding over being sick with chronic illness. Yeah. And deciding to to do something about it. You you feel like shit. I feel like shit. Literally. You let's feel like, shit, feel like together. shit together. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> and try to make a difference at the same time, like put our brains to work. Like they're both. Yeah. Really inspiring women mm-hmm. for sure. They, they definitely um, went through a lot and then ended up making endo events, which is a huge like a really really cool idea and a really different way on looking at supporting others that are experiencing endometriosis and I think that like what they're doing as well like all the aspects of what they're doing is really important to just living with a chronic illness and like that building Mm -hmm. community and uh political advocacy like you're talking about all such important Mm -hmm. things exactly so I actually met them because they hosted a screening of the endometriosis documentary below the belt that was um co-produced you by did a tiktok on that i did we have tiktoks on it you have to like really go down our our tiktok rabbit hole to find this because it was i think january or february of this yeah this it was year. like right around when we were like incepted so mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah there was lots of snow on the ground that i remember and um hillary clinton co-produced this documentary so they had a screening event and they had a panel with I, I remember there being like, I don't know, 10 or 12 people on this panel who all have varying degrees of connectedness to endometriosis. There are people who have it themselves. There are people who work in the medical field, allied health. There was an MPP there. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there was a panel afterwards about it, as well as people got to ask questions, which was really cool. And then um, I won a prize pack that day. Yeah, she did. Um, 
Yeah, I did. Um, I didn't so- go. I didn't get anything. Oh, yeah, I know. Victoria came in your place. Where? <laughs> 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 um, yeah, but it was really cool. And that's how I, I met them. And that's where we met Laura, the physiotherapist we had on um, a while back now when we first really started the podcast. I think she was like our second or third guest. Um, we met there. And yeah, it was a really great event. I got to see the documentary, got to do some networking and just feel like you're in some kind of a space where everyone in the room gets it to some degree. Yeah. Because it's either like they have, yeah, they either have it themselves. So they're like a loved one of someone who does. And that's why they were there. So, um, yeah, it was really great. And I reached out to them and I was like, hey, I was at your event. Want to come on our pod? And they were like, absolutely. So took a few months to have them on, but we were so glad that they were able to come on and talk about yeah, their totally own stories. The yeah, totally worth the wait. Their own stories of endometriosis, you know, how they um, struggled to get a diagnosis themselves, as well as talking about what endo events does. And then obviously playing a fun game like we always do. Yes. And it was a fun game. It was a fun Lots game. of laughs. Lots of we laughs. We always, like always, turned something very, very serious into very silly. Um, well, we didn't silly turn goofy. it. Like, we, like, had a perfect mix we of segue. everything. We segue. We segue to yeah. Silly Yeah, exactly. Which is why I love Tammy and Leah, because they kind of do the same thing, right? They'll be like, yeah. yeah, let's talk about the seriousness of this disease, but let's also, like, have a wine tasting and, like, have fun. <laughs> like, yes, Yeah. Please. Exactly. Like, that's what I want to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was like, so it's a, such a great conversation. So we hope you enjoy sit in a hotel conference room and talk about boring things. Like, please put, give me some wine or something no, fun to do. Let's make cheese boards <laughs> while we have someone guest speak. Like, let's yeah. just sit in a cold room and stare at someone talking like so boring. Make it fun. Yes. Which is exactly what Endo Events does. So they, uh, a lot of their stuff is in the Toronto and GTA area, but that doesn't mean that there's not other things that they do Canada wide. And it's a Canadian charity. However, if you're listening from outside of Canada, that doesn't mean there's not something there for you too on their socials and the virtual events that they put on. So we hope you enjoy the episode. And support group too. And support groups. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So I guess without further ado, here is our conversation with Tammy and Leah of Endometriosis Events. Enjoy. Enjoy. Today, we are joined by Tammy and Leah, who are the co-founders of Endometriosis Events, which is a Canadian charity that raises awareness for endometriosis throughout virtual support groups, hosting events, as well as political action and educating youth. And we're so excited to have you both on. So welcome, Tammy and Leah, to the PIP podcast. Thank you. Thank you. If you guys don't mind, maybe introduce yourselves there's both of you here so whoever wants to go first and kind of tell everyone a little bit about yourselves how you met each other and endo events yeah so i'm tammy one of the co-founders of endometriosis events and yeah so leah and i started uh this venture uh endo events um a couple of years ago uh, maybe five years ago i would say And um, we started because we realized um, that we both had endo and there was no real support groups that we knew that were around 
or socials or um, yeah. even events that talk about endo and meeting other individuals as well who have the disease. So we mm -hmm. felt like start something and we started off with the brunch and that was 2017, Leah, 19? Yeah. Maybe oh, wow. 19. So the 19 and we started off with a brunch and a lot of endo warriors came and we had guest speakers Aww. and that kind of kicked off endo events because when we first started it wasn't really endo events it was just us two who have endo and decided let's go for it. let's start a brunch with people who have endo and go from there that's super cool yeah it's a great idea <laughs> bringing together people over food yeah, I'm down. I love brunch. <laughs> Always a good meal. Drinks. <laughs> it was social talking, laughs, tears. It was everything. It was great. Mimosas. Mimosas. <laughs> we had everything. Oh, That's what matters nice. to Amanda. She's like, ooh, brunch and mimosas. They're together. Yeah. They belong together. Always. <laughs> it was. It was great. It was great. That's amazing. And do you have anything to add, Tammy, about, uh, I'm sorry, Leah, about your adventure together? And like, yeah, what are we, what happened at brunch? Like how many people were there? So for everyone who doesn't know me, my name is Leah and I'm the other co-founder of Endometriosis Events, also known as Endo Events. And as Tammy mentioned, we met several years ago, just getting together to host this brunch for fellow Endo Warriors and for anyone who was like a support figure in their lives and just to get together have an opportunity to network, learn from one another. Like Tammy said, there were lots of laughs, tears. Um, it was just an opportunity to get some education and just to have a social event and something that was more of a positive environment for people who have this disease to come together in a safe space. And it was such a great opportunity for everyone, including the two of us. We just couldn't stop there. So that's when we decided to go further and found this charity, which has just kind of you know, set off a lot of different opportunities for others with our events and support mm -hmm. group, as you mentioned, and all the other things that we're pursuing as well. Mm -hmm. How did you guys actually meet? Though this is this is kind of similar yeah. to Amanda and I. We're like, <laughs> sup, and then we were like, our life and our bodies kind of suck, and then yeah, you know, I'm in pain kind all of the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, bonded over that. Like Amanda and I have different um different issues, but it was it's kind of similar with us. But how did you guys actually meet? Like, were you already friends and it came up or mm -hmm. did you like we met at, at at work? We met at we were working for the same place at, at some point. So I'm interested to see, like, how did you guys actually meet? Yeah, good question. Before I answer that, um, I will say so at the brunch, we did have, I think it was like 80 guests, if I'm not mistaken. 80? 80 at the brunch. Yes. And our yes. goal was, I wow. think, like 40. Yeah. And we lineup and our goal was I think it was like 40 so it was wow. crazy wow that's amazing yeah mm -hmm. yeah it was crazy um so how we met yeah so we went to it was an endo um like a mm -hmm. march um and I was speaking and Leah was speaking so we were guest speakers at this um march and Leah was talking about um a support group in Mississauga that was um, uh, once every month. And I was already um, going to one that I was um, uh, what's the, like leading in once mm -hmm. a month as well. And I that, that location that Leah was doing, facilitating, was actually closer to the one that I was going to. 
Mm. So after we were March, then we started talking and I was talking about, oh, like I'm also, I also go to the support group and I lead it. Um, your location is actually closer to the one that I go to. So maybe we'll kind of switch over. So we had that kind of talk. Mm-hmm. And then literally, I think it was two months later, I attended the the meeting. And right away, we were talking about us having endo or experiences. And then that's how the brunch happened. The idea of the brunch happened. I love it. Wow. Yeah. And so you're both was- already kind of taking the reins of like leading this like endo talk and like trying to create a safe space. Mm-hmm. Kind of just joined forces in a sense. Yeah. 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 And it felt like super natural right away. Like we have similar experiences with our endometriosis diagnoses, obviously, but then mm-hmm. just like personality wise and things that we we're interested in, we just hit it off and here we are. Wow. Do you, That's do incredible. you both, yeah. Do you both mind sharing a little bit about your own personal journeys? And I, I don't like saying journey as a word, but it's just kind of like for lack of better words, like the process maybe of, of getting well, a diagnosis. Voyage yeah, your voice, your odyssey <laughs> of getting yeah. um, diagnosed with endometriosis. Well, I will say I did hear on another one of your podcasts, um, one of your episodes that you do not love that word journey. So I was yeah. trying so hard not to use it today. <laughs> I was like, why I say I it all- have to? <laughs> so I'm glad you actually she said says it, it all the I time. Like, yeah. I say it all the time because I'm like, I don't know what else to say, but I'm That's like, what what's your journey? About. I'm like, yeah. I feel like a journey should be something I like voluntarily want to go down. So it's like, maybe what's your odyssey? I'm going to start using that. Just go down because Odysseus did not choose to have an odyssey. The gods chose for him. So maybe we should keep on. What was your odyssey? To <laughs> Either one. I'm fine. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I did uh, start my period when I was quite young. And right from the start, I unfortunately had very painful periods. Mm-hmm. So like extreme pelvic pain and then cramping, definitely heavy bleeding. My periods were pretty regular, but they also like, so every 28 days, but they lasted for like 10 days sometimes. Oh man. Oof. Yeah. Oh, man. And mm-hmm. being very young and trying to kind of like navigate that being in school, you know, like unfortunately it hasn't changed much in like all the years but um Mm -hmm. people don't like to talk about periods and people don't like to talk about menstrual health and things like that so it wasn't something that I was comfortable talking to my educators about like when I was not feeling Mm -hmm. well and stuff like that and it wasn't even something I necessarily associated with my period because I was getting pain all the time it felt but it was like worse during that time in my cycle um but you know nausea throwing up I missed so much school like now when I look back it's just heartbreaking to me of having even events like I used to dance I used to do like a bit of modeling here and there and I had to like miss opportunities because unfortunately I was in pain all the time Mm -hmm. um so I went to my family physician at the time and brought up the symptoms I was having and unfortunately was met with the usual you can take model or period pain is normal or this is part of your life and so it was really it was really sad you know, yeah. when I look back about how much of my childhood, how much of my youth, teen years that I lost to this disease, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it took a long time. We can get into like the diagnostic stuff later. Mm-hmm. But like that was basically, you know, my experience with endo that I didn't know was endo mm-hmm. <laughs> at the time when I was younger. That's something I've reflected on. Like I didn't get diagnosed until over just over a year ago. Um, and it was like post coming off of. Um, the pill and an IUD 
when I was put on, cause I was put on the pill pretty young at like what, 16, 17, I think I was for PCOS. Yes, like the um, classic, the classic. Medicine. Yeah. <laughs> and I think back as I played high level sports and I was a varsity athlete and I trained with team Canada for my sports. And I just think back, like as much as you regret in a sense of the, of the word of, you know, put being put on birth control so young at the same time, I'm like, if I hadn't, I don't know if I would have had the life I had as like a teen and in my, in my early twenties of being able to play high level sports and going to school and doing, doing all these things. Like you think back and you're like, yeah, I don't know if I would have been able to do those things. Kind of like how you're reflecting on how you weren't able to do. I think about that sometimes when I'm like upset about having been put on the pill so young, I'm like, but silver lining, did I get to do things? Yeah, you were able to someone like yourself, Leah, you can do. Yeah, I agree with you because I did end up going on birth control when I was like in high school as well for like alleviating Mm -hmm. symptoms, I guess, managing symptoms. And I do understand what you're saying because I was able to like then work part time and do like things like that. Um, so it definitely helped but then obviously there were like the side effects of being on hormones at such a young age and for such a long time so Mm -hmm. yeah it's like you said before with this whole catch-22 and whatnot like sometimes you know there's like a blessing and a curse in a hundred percent it's a catch-22 because as soon as you come off it you're like what the fuck (laughs) that's right like then for me it was like holy shit it was just like I, I got smashed Uh, with everything and so it's kind of like you think and you're like maybe if I didn't would I have been able to like been diagnosed earlier been able to manage things earlier like get relief earlier and still been able to do those things or not and like you never know you can't go back in time but it's like it's something you definitely start reflecting on that if if you don't have a chronic illness I don't think you'd ever really have those same kinds of thought processes of like would I have been able to be a varsity athlete if I didn't go on birth control at 16 I don't know Probably right. not. I don't think yeah. I would because now in, as an adult, like it was in, when I started, you know, getting leading up to being diagnosed, I had to stop playing sports. Obviously, I wasn't playing the same level because I'm like an adult and I'm like not 18 anymore, but I was still playing like competitive women's sports. And I was like, I, now I'm like, there's no way I could like run for 90 minutes and like tackle and dive on the hard ground and be hunched over a stick. Like there's just no way I could be able to do those things, even though I'm being, I'm, I, in this current moment of my life, I've can manage my, my symptoms and I have good doctors and I'm doing all the things that help. Even then I'm like, there's no way I could like go run for 90 minutes on a field. Yeah. What about you, Tammy? Do you have like a similar kind of story or is yours really different? Oh, I, yeah, always had really bad periods and they're lasted really long and the pain was horrible. Um, and for me, the worst thing was I was always nauseous all the time. So like, oh my God, the nausea is a real thing. No one talks about it. Like no other, like it was bad. And it got worse, like as I got older and I remember even just like going to work and like the smell of things, like it's so true. (laughs) The smell of things. I'm always gagging and everyone's like, you're so dramatic. Like, no, I literally can't like nausea. So it. I feel like no one really talks about it. It's the worst. It and is. I'm trying to like not throw up on something. I had to run for the washroom. Like, but where's the washroom? Like, you know what I mean? Depending where you are, you have to figure <laughs> yeah. out your space. 
So yeah. I was like, well, question, let me try to head for that. Um, but that's what it was. It was nausea all the time. And yeah. for me, like I was always in pain and I think I was just so used to it. So for yeah. me, fine, mm-hmm. get it. But the nausea that hit me like no other, like, and it was random. I didn't even know what food I could eat and certain things I couldn't even hold down because it was just coming back up. And I love food. So I'm just like, it's just yeah. the worst. Honestly, that the the gastrointestinal issues for me personally, and like there's a hundred things that are really bad about endometriosis. And obviously different people can rank things differently. But for me, I take the pelvic pain over the IBS issues and the wanting to vomit all the time because it's so true. Like you, like half the time, I'm like, I can't like the smell of something or the even the thought of eating something sometimes. Yeah. You're like, that's enough to send me. That, that's what it was. Yeah. So it was dealing with that. Um, I would say like, I didn't really miss too much of schoolwork. It's like horrible because I actually just went. Like I was like, I'm just going to go to school, go to work. It is what it is. Um, and then like, unfortunately. Um, but I always managed, like I still went out. Um, it was funny because I would go to bars and clubs a lot. I was that girl who just like oh, always in the club. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> now, now I only stay at home. <laughs> <laughs> All times I'm like FOMO. Like I see FOMO. I'm like, no, I'm gonna go out. I'm gonna have a good time. Like my period is not gonna take over. And I would literally put in pads, tampons. So point where like the bounce would just be like um Ma'am. Like, well, <laughs> Ma'am, are you good yeah, what's in here <laughs> can i go to the club now oh my god because <laughs> like when i look back i'm like what the hell was i thinking to like even go out when i know i'm nauseous as hell and even smelling liquor and everything oh, else would just yeah. make me want to throw up like but i want to have a good time and I'm, like you know what i mean and i'm just mm-hmm. so used to the pain but I was just like, but I want to have a good time. You were yeah. literally gaslighting and, yourself, Tammy. <laughs> You're like, yeah. it's not that bad. <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, but of course, there was times where like I had to say no. And I was just like on the couch just like all day and throwing up. Um, but then there's times where I'm like, let me get off this couch. because I've been here for like 12 hours and. It's 10 p.m. I need to go out. Yeah. <laughs> you know? I can't do this like, anymore. Sorry? You're just like, I can't do this anymore. Like looking at people's, well, what if you like looking at people's phones, and, like texting you, are you going out tonight? And you're like, uh, yes. <laughs> you know, I'll just take a bunch of Advil and call it a day. <laughs> yeah. And there's no like Instagram back in the day. So it's just kind of like memories of me having a good time. And I want to keep that going you know what I mean so yeah. it was just like that and like and that's what it was um but again of course there was times where I like I didn't but and it was funny because my friends would tell me like Tammy what you're experiencing is not normal and I'm like well it's been like this for so long I don't know um so they're the ones who kept telling me like this is weird like why are you throwing up all the time why are you like your pain is so bad and like Mm-hmm. I would go to a friend's house and have like a hot water bottle. It's like movie night. And I would bring my yeah. hot water bottle with me. Like no shame. I would just bring it. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were the ones who were kept telling me like, this is like something up. See a doctor. I ended up seeing a doctor and um, 
it was just like, the doctor told me it was so funny. He's like, well, I want to see how your period is. Cause you're talking, he's like, you're telling me that you have it every single day and it's like 30 days. So he's like, how about you monitor it for two months and then come back to see me? Oh, it's like, I've been monitoring I'm like, for like you have years. Been year. Yeah. <laughs> right. So I'm like, I'm not monitoring. Like I'm not doing that. And then he gave me like birth control, which I never went on. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, so I'm like, I'm I'm not doing that. And I just dealt with it. Just thinking that it's, it is what it is. It's what people get. And my friends don't have bad periods, but I do. And that's what I thought for so long. It was just a bad yeah. period. And it's like normal, you know? And, mm -hmm. I, and I thought that like, I was the only one bringing the two pads and less tampons at the club. I thought, you know, other females probably do too, you know? um but yeah mm -hmm. it's hard though yeah. because I was gonna say the rhetoric of like it's just a normal period it's something that you're told but then at some point we start to believe that that is just yeah. our reality and that's just the way life is supposed to be and it's so far from the truth um and all these band-aid solutions like birth control and my doll and all these things yeah. are not like you know obviously good for us in the end yeah, because we need to find out what's actually going on. And we were dismissed for so long. So our mm -hmm. stories are quite similar as to many of our, you know, fellow and mm -hmm. patients, right? Yeah, it, you, you do you start to like, kind of be like, well, it's, it's normal for me. I feel like that's something I was always being like, well, you know, it's normal for me. And then going on, like I've, I've shared on, on our previous episodes a bit about like my story, but like I was, I have PCOS as well. So that it would be like one month would be like PCOS. Another month would be and like, they're battling each other. So like one, I would go like three months without a period. And so that was always like my, my red flag was like, um, my mom can tell to the minute the day, the hour, the minute when her period's going to come. She planned her wedding around it. And that's what I grew up being told my whole life to me being like, uh, yeah, it's been like three months and it comes and it's like two days and I could honestly get away with like a panty liner. Like, and so all of that being like my youth into then going on to birth control, endometriosis was never on my radar. Ever, 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 ever. Mm -hmm. It wasn't until honestly, even leading up to diagnosis, I still was kind of like gaslighting myself. I'm like, no, it's not. Cause I didn't fully know what it was. I would just go off the main symptoms on like Google. And I was like, well, I've never had heavy periods. And like, I don't know if I had cramps because I had like three periods before I went on birth control. Like, I don't know. And, but then you start to find out about the more like nuanced or less common, like the nausea, <laughs> like, the nausea like the lots of clotting, like you start to get other things. And then, you know, coming off birth control and IUD and everything kind of like, whamming into me in a span of like a really short period of time then I was like oh yeah I'm in pain all the time I have pain in my butt all the time I my digestive issues just went through the roof I have pain with sex and you're like oh fuck <laughs> I think I actually might like there like, is I something do have this. here yeah and it's it's so it's so interesting to how different but yet the same everyone we talk to who has endometriosis stories is like, there's always those individual aspects that are so different, like bleeding for 10 days. I'm like, no, 
never had that in my whole life. I don't know what that's like, but then you start to reflect on other things like the nausea, the pelvic pain. And you're like, yeah, we actually do have really similar stories. So how old were you both when you actually were diagnosed formally? Mm -hmm. I was, let me count now. (laughs) (laughs) And how many doctors did you have? Yeah. How old were you and how many doctors? If you can even ballpark that, because I know it can be a lot for a lot of people. Let me see. I know I have to like count now. I'm counting. <laughs> count on your fingers and toes. This is brutal. <laughs> yeah. The fact that the both of you have to count. Like, oh. Yeah. I don't have endometriosis. I have celiac disease. And it took me a long time to get diagnosed because of like complicated like home life factors and stuff. They excuse it as like a behavioral uh, thing that mm-hmm. I was doing. And they were like, you have body issues. That's it. Yeah. I have body issues. And like, I have like anxiety and probably some depression and like, just cause then here you go, here's some birth control. So you don't reproduce or anything like that. And I went up like, yeah, ended up really sick and ended up being hospitalized for weeks until I got a diagnosis of celiac until it was like pretty much knocking on death's door. Yeah, (laughs) literally. Yeah, it was not ideal. And women are very often excused. Um, And then like being when you're like womanhood, like intersex with like being black or a person of color, like I can't even imagine how much worse that is, especially in the medical system. That's like super racist. Yeah. And so marginalizing. Yeah, Yeah. no, I think I think you made a good point, actually, because like that's something that I mean, I speak about often is just how our experiences might differ from somebody else's because we do have to contend with the like race issue on top of like the gender stuff and all of that and it definitely Mm -hmm. like impacted our journeys which is probably why I saw probably I'm thinking it's now five doctors five or six before I got Mm -hmm. diagnosed and I was in my early to like almost mid-30s when I was diagnosed wow okay so when you say five because holy shit I would have to count like how many doctors but that was because for me for the most part it was going to the emergency room all the time for cysts um so when people say like five doctors for you Leah does that mean you saw five different practitioners or is it kind of similar to me it was like it was like 10 doctors because it was like 10 it was 10 emergency room visits no it's like five doctors like medical practitioners I had emergency room visits as well Okay. So I'm not counting that. That that's literally like a family doctor and then going to like a like through a referral system and then seeing somebody else who then dismissed and then saying I need to get a different Which opinion makes it somehow else. worse to me because actually no yeah, a lot worse, worse because yeah. referrals, like especially like being in Ontario with like we're lucky in a sense being Canada with healthcare. I'm not gonna say that we're not, but at the same time, like trying to, you can't just like go find a new doctor on your own. Like it's a whole process to see a specialist or somebody else. And so waiting. You, so that's like five, that's right. minimum of five full referrals to different doctors. Yep. And each time met with like a very similar sort of dismissive uh, response that I wasn't happy with. And like, at least I kind of realize something was wrong because even Veronica what you were talking about with your mom knowing when she was going to get her period and whatnot right I remember being on a flight one time and then someone came and asked like anyone if they had like a period uh sorry a pad or a tampon or whatever and they were just like very calm about it and I was just like 
that is so interesting because when I know my period's coming, I am like equipped. You know what I mean? Like how Tammy was describing going to the club. Like I have everything <laughs> I need, like my heat pads, like my, you know, and I oh just like, I remember being, I, I shouldn't have been jealous, but I was like, oh my goodness, like you didn't know you were going to have your period. No, like- stop, because I I never knew. It's not until very, like my, my late 20s that I yeah. keep seeing doctors and stuff that I've been able, and like allied health professionals that I'm able, but even then, I'm, I'm still not sure when I'm going to get it. And um, oh, the amount of underwear I ruined as a teenager because you just wake up and you'd, you'd be like, oh, well, guess it's here. Because you'd go, I'd yeah. go so long that it was like I was jealous <laughs> of yeah, people I get having a. Yeah. You know, I was so jealous of my mom. I was so jealous of my two sisters. I'm like, they know to the literal date. Like my mom's a bit extreme, but she's she's very a, a type personality on a lot of things. But like, she would know to to like the minute, and I would just be like, uh, I think my last one was like maybe two months ago. I don't know. I don't really know. Couldn't tell you when the next one's gonna come. So it's it, like, but then with Leah, it happened regularly. Yeah. Right. But it's to your point that everyone has such a different experience, so different. but similar at the same time. But then it's so silly that I was jealous of yeah. For me, it was huge. I was like, like, I wouldn't even be on this flight if I knew I was going to have my period because right? I would literally not be able to have flown. Like my whole life, my whole like social, like everything was based around your period, my cycle, everything. Like when I got married, it was like, okay, like, let's plan this, but it can't be around this time, which is, I guess, good that I knew when I'd be getting my period because I could plan, yeah. but like, yeah. I missed events. I couldn't do vacation. I, I missed out on a lot because of that, you know? Oh my gosh. And your period was 10 days. So like, it's a oh, long yeah. time. Like it's yeah. like pretty much half the month. <laughs> that's right. And then you have the middle pain and ovulation pain. Oh, and ovulation other days is the worst for me because of my so cysts like are so large. Yeah. You have like maybe oh. a week of like normalcy. What about you, Tammy? How many did you count? Doctor, oh, one, okay. So I, so <laughs> nine years ago, so mid, early 30s, when I was diagnosed, I only had, I only went to one doctor. That was the one who told me, come back in two months. Okay. <laughs> After, like, let me know how your, your period is. Um, but I have a different story. So for me, I met my endospecialist um, this was 2017. I met her actually when I was going to the emergency room. Oh, wow. And she became my daughter. Yeah. So wow. I went, so it was, um, I was actually serious story at the club. It was Caribbean. Weekend. Oh, the best weekend and... in Toronto. Oh, yeah. <laughs> actually in the parade so I played mass I had my oh, costume my god and yes so I had everything and then I bought tickets for this event so expensive it was like 80 dollars but I was yeah, like gonna... events uh, like yeah. yeah you're gonna go broke on the weekend oh. yeah <laughs> so I go to my friend's house oh before I went to my friend's house I um had the worst like pain and it felt like I'm gonna try to explain it it felt like I had to Oh, it felt like I was constipated. Yep. Like, mm-hmm. it was a weird feeling. But I knew it wasn't my period coming because I already, like, had it, even though my period lasts a long time. But it was, like, a weird cramp, constipation. It was weird. Yep. But painful. But I'm like, maybe my period is coming. I don't know. So I ended up going to my friend's house. And 
I was like hunched over. She's like, are you okay? I'm like, I don't know what's going on, but I, I'm like, I think I'm good. Took two Advils, get into the club. And then I was like sweating, like sweating. Like I've had this. I've had sweating. this. I wasn't at the club, but I've had, I've had, I know where you're going with this. Yeah. Sweating, okay. And then my friend's like, what the hell? And I'm like, I don't know. So I go to the washroom. Now I'm throwing up. And I'm like, what is going on? My friend goes to me. Oh my gosh, maybe it's your appendix or something. Maybe it's going to burst. So I was like, oh my gosh, like now we're freaking out. Um, so we go to uh, the hospital. And by that time, the pain was so, so, so bad. Um, mm -hmm. So I get to the room and uh, then the nurse is there. They're like, maybe you're pregnant. And I'm like, okay, I will know if I'm pregnant. I'm definitely not pregnant. Mm -hmm. um, and then they're like, Maybe it's an STD. They're saying all these things. And I'm like, mm -hmm. no, 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 no. I was there for hours. Maybe I would say four hours or so. Um, did ultrasounds, all these tests. Um, they couldn't figure out anything was wrong. So my now doctor, Dr. Sobel, um, I heard her saying, this patient has been in this room for a very long time. She's like, I did surgery and came back out and this patient is still here. Like what's going on? Let mm -hmm. me see the ultrasound report. And I'm hearing all of this. And mm -hmm. uh, she's like, oh my gosh, she needs surgery right away. Like she, like she, right away. And I'm like, what the hell? So she comes over, explains who she is, uh, introduces herself to me. She's like, you're my patient. I'm gonna be your doctor. Um, you have an ovarian torsion. Yeah, I was going to uh, say, you were twisted, yeah. Yeah, yeah, wrapped around your ovaries. And she's like, they were you were just going to send you home if it wasn't for her. Yeah, and the, the ultrasound, they're saying that, oh, we don't see anything. They're like, I don't know what's what's going on. Mm. And to be honest, my whole thing, I, I really think in there, they're like, oh, there's this black girl screaming. Like, they're even telling me, you're too loud. You're way too loud. It can't be that bad. Like, shh. Oh um, there's other patients your fucking insides yeah. were twisting yeah, yeah. and oh if you God. don't because sometimes I, i've had a i've had a torsion when my sis one of my endo cysts were really big i've had they've shrunk over time seeing specialists but at their height i think my left one the large was like five centimeters at one point. And so when they're really heavy, it can twist and you can have a torsion. Sometimes it can untwist itself. And I was lucky it untwisted itself. And I had the same thing. I felt like I had to shit, but I couldn't. And I was so, I took all my clothes off. I was like, so it was like, you're hunched yeah. over, you're sweating. You're like, I'm going to throw up and I'm going to shit myself at the same time, but nothing happens. Like it's, um, <laughs> yeah. And then, um, but if it doesn't untwist itself either manually by surgery or naturally on its own, the whole ovary can die. Yeah. It, it'll what, die yeah. off from blood restriction. Yeah. So they yeah, were just so going to be like, uh, go home and take a Tylenol. Like a Tylenol is not going to untwist my right, ovary. Yeah. <laughs> then they were like, because it was the time it was like, I think like one o'clock in the morning, like, or sorry, maybe like midnight around whatever, one o'clock. So mm -hmm. they're looking at me, they're like, well, how you been drinking? Do you do drugs? Because there's now they're uh, thinking, you know what I mean at that time or are you in your caravana yeah. outfit and they're well, yeah. definitely profiling you and they're okay. probably also too is she drug seeking because that also happens a lot yeah. when you're going in for pain that they can't see they're like oh they're drug seeking 
Yeah. And I was at, I'm not sure if you know the hospitals in Toronto, but I was at Toronto Western. Yep. Yeah. I'm a Toronto girly. Yeah. Okay. But then (laughs) put me in an ambulance and to Mount Sinai. Yep. He resides at Mount Sinai. Um, but yeah, so I had to wait for the surgery. Um, and then the craziest thing was it untwisted itself. After all that, after all that, after all that, it untwisted itself. Um, but then a couple days later, that's when I had surgery to remove the cyst. And that's when she's like, uh, you have endometriosis. And I'm like, I have what? And that's how I found out and how it is. I found out slash how I met my doctor. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's it's almost, it's serendipitous, even though it's completely not because it's like a horrible story and situation that you were in. But it's crazy how it just takes one doctor to yeah, finally to really get it. And like to everything. read an ultrasound report, right? Because that was for me, it was four years of going to different emergency rooms and always being dismissed as, oh, it's a dermoid cyst. It'll go away. Take some Tylenol. And I'd be like, you've been telling me this for four freaking years. And now yeah, I have them on both working. sides and they're really dark. I'm pretty sure it's something else. And it took just one radiologist who knew what they were actually looking at to be like, um, this girl has stage four endometriosis. These are massive endometriomas. What are you guys doing? So it's like, it only really does take one doctor, but it, it, it just speaks, I think, to just the lack of proper education about what to look for in imaging. And there's like, understandingly, a lot of people with endometriosis loathe imaging because it is hard to be diagnosed with endometriosis unless it's surgery, right? But if you do have endometriomas, they can see that on imaging. It's just most of the time, unfortunately, the radiologists just don't know what the, it is that they're looking at. Mm-hmm. And you're right. It's all about imaging because the fact that I'm at this hospital, you have so many doctors, so many nurses. You're telling me not one person can look at an image and be like, "This is no variant torsion." Not one doctor, like. But also yeah, the really. cyst, the cyst that would have been there that's causing the torsion. They also should, have, should have been able to see too. that it's an endometrioma because that can be ev- yeah. evident through imaging. Yeah. And it would have been if it were that big, yeah. like it was big, big enough, enough to, to literally twist, twist. everything. Like, yeah. Oh and my gosh. Least, like the doctor, our doctor, she clearly wasn't happy because she was just like, the way she was speaking. And I'm like, what the hell? Like something's going on. Cause she was just like, he's pissed. Oh you know what I mean? And I'm like, what do I have? What's cause I'm overhearing a conversation and <laughs> through the curtain. <laughs> yeah. And it was about me. It's not like they said like my name or anything, but I knew you it knew was exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. She was like, this, this patient has been here for four hours. I did a surgery come out. She's still here. Like what is going on? You know? Um, but yeah, but definitely about imaging, like doctors need to know how to read reports. They do. Like, Mm-hmm. so important yeah it's like the radio yeah like eight well more than eight doctors to look at pictures of what's going on mm-hmm. <laughs> like how are there that many people in a room that can't look at an ultrasound and know what they're seeing yeah mm-hmm. it's so concerning it's like if you do this for a living right and it's not to bash health professionals because you know we love nurses and doctors but at the same time it's like what is being taught to you about women's health in school, but also on the ground, because, you know, in, in any profession, like 
I'm a lawyer. So at the end of the day, most things that I know about my legal practice happen in practice, not necessarily in school. Mm-hmm. But it, so it's like, if you're working in emergency, you should be pretty well versed in endometriosis because women go into emergency a lot when it's endometriosis pain, because you're literally like, I'm sweating. I feel like I'm going to throw up and shit myself at the same time. I'm in so much pain you're going to end up going to emergency when you're, when you're feeling that kind of way. Um, and for me personally, my, my story is that's where the dismissal was happening was it was in emergency rooms. I had a family doctor. He's retired now. I loved him so much. And he, the whole time he'd get these reports and be like, okay, let's try and figure it out. And right before I was diagnosed, he was like really trying to like hunt down somebody, refer me to someone who could figure out what was happening over these last four years. And then it was a radiologist in a completely different hospital than I've ever been to before an emergency. Who's the one who wrote in the, and I have it, they printed it off from me. It's like, this patient has stage four endometriomas. These are like five centimeter by whatever um, endometriomas bilateral needs to see a specialist. <laughs> like that was his radiologist report. So, um, but it's just, I think it's emergency is, is a place where, a lot of dismissal happens. Mm-hmm. Well, it's because you're you're a number and they're overcrowded. And mm-hmm. the part of being an emergency room doctor is like following all the check boxes. So like they're looking at you and asking you a certain amount of questions. And if you don't like follow these lines, because an emergency room doctor is not meant to like understand like one standard medicine, like gynecology. So they're yes. not going to, they have no interest into knowing what's going on with women's pain and women's like and chronic illnesses that affect people's with uteruses because that's not their practice they're looking at you as a box do you need surgery do you need to go to the or do you need like a tetanus shot or do you need some saline do you need a cast there you go yeah Yeah. (laughs) do you need those things uh if you don't need them then I don't know what the hell to do with you so I'll send you home with what I know best I know that Advil over-the-counter Advil or Tylenol treats pain so see you later yeah. And that's the end of the day. Like I was excused so much in the emergency room too, like sick as hell and like missing school, almost kicked out of school because I was missing so much school until somebody figured out what was wrong with me. And it was an emergency room doctor, a resident that was like, maybe she has celiac disease. Like I've only ever seen this once before, but it could be this. Yeah. And since then changed my life. Yeah, that's actually interesting because my whole journey <laughs> Um, with the diagnosis. Your odyssey, Leah, your actually, odyssey. My odyssey, my odyssey. Actually, um, when I was finally able to get a diagnosis, it started in an emergency room, to be honest, because oh. I was at a friend's wedding and then similar to Tammy, was just feeling like super sick, like I was going to be like like sick at this reception. And like I had to get to the washroom and it was just, anyway, to make a long story short, I ended up having to go to the ER and leave this wedding early, which was not fun. And when I was there and I was in pain, the same questions, are you into this, that, and the other? And then um, they did ultrasounds. And then in the end, I was diagnosed with having fibroids. Mm. And because of that, I was going in to see another specialist have a surgery for the fibroid removal and then like a myoectomy. And then in the end, when she went in, she ended up, when I got my uh, post-op with her and the appointment, I was told, that they weren't able to do anything because when she went in, that's when she saw that I actually have severe endometriosis. endometriosis. Mm. 
So, I mean, devastated. I left the wedding. It was not great. I had a wicked outfit. But unfortunately, <laughs> I ended up, you know, unfortunately, I ended up in the ER. But fortunately, it led me down a path Yeah. To, that's Where funny. I, you I'm both wear best dress. Yeah, I was just going to say that. Um, the time I went, I went in sweatpants because nothing else could fit me and everything else yeah. hurt. <laughs> and you guys were like dressed to the nines, ready to go out for the night. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's the trick, right? You have to yeah. go out and be all like dressed up. That's when you get diagnosed. But who knows? <laughs> What yeah. would you guys say, it, because, and I want to talk about more about your charity in a minute, but one of the things that you do do is like education, right? And mm-hmm. awareness. So what would your maybe advice or tips or even food for thought be for someone who's listening and thinks that they may have endometriosis and are, and are searching for a diagnosis? What would be like your one thing that you would tell them? Good question. Mm-hmm. Hey. Bad periods are actually, they're not normal. Not like, I know people have like cramps, but bad when you're throwing up, you're missing work, school events, that's not normal. Yeah. If your, your cramp pain doesn't go away with an over-counter Tylenol or Advil, it's, it's not normal. Period pain is not actually normal. It's not. Yeah. So that's number one. Cause I dismissed that for so long. And I, I, when I look back, I'm like, if I only knew that, so I just kept telling myself, oh, it's normal, it's normal, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, Your quality that, of life. <laughs> yeah, so. Oh, yeah. One, one. Um, Tammy took my answer, so I'm going <laughs> to think off the top, <laughs> top of my head. Um, I think I would say um, trust yourself, I guess. Mm-hmm. Like, if you really feel something is okay with your body um I know it's hard to be an advocate because for your own self and your own health because sometimes there's a hierarchy when it comes to like the medical field and you feel you think to yourself like this is the doctor they're the educated like person who understands my body more than I that's actually not true so if you're going to your doctor and you're feeling like something's not right or your symptoms don't make sense you know keep being persistent and I know it's difficult but you really have to say I you know trust yourself and trust that if something doesn't feel right it probably isn't yeah 100%. I would add to those things and say your diagnosis is valid because, and I, I spoke about this on an episode that we just released today, actually, is there's this, I don't know if you guys see it, I specifically see it on TikTok is um, a dismissal of people's diagnosis if it's not through laparoscopy. Mm-hmm. And it, people will literally message us on TikTok and be like, I was diagnosed like you, like through ultrasound. And people are telling me yeah, it's not people real. Are saying them it's not real because yeah. it's mm. not gold standard. It happens a lot with chronic illnesses, uh, like yeah, again with celiac and then um, with PCOS because there are so many different types, right? It's like it's a syndrome, so it presents differently. Like people are being told over and over again, like, yeah. That, if it's not yeah, their one diagnosis way, is it's not nothing. valid. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I would say wow. your yeah your diagnosis is valid because. For me, they, my cysts were too large that to actually operate would have put me at too high of a risk. So they decided not to cut me open. They haven't yet because they're like, there's too many things that could go wrong um, that they're 
waiting till I, they've shrunk a little bit more and I'm a little bit older before they actually want to operate and go in and remove and see. They know pretty well where everything is in like the pelvic, but there's possibly some diaphragmic. They're not sure, obviously, because they haven't gone in, but my specialists are of the opinion. I've had, I have three specialists who have all said, no, we're not, we're not having you have a surgery yet. You're at too high of a risk for infection for losing one or both of your ovaries, et cetera. And so that I would add to that is however you do yeah. get your diagnosis, it's valid. You don't have to have it a certain way for it to be real. That's a good point. I think um, like even when I saw the specialist who couldn't operate on me, like that was bittersweet for me as well, because, you know, I finally knew what was yeah. going on with my body. And I was like, even though I had no idea when the word endometriosis was mentioned to me, I was very much kind of like, what is that? Like I pretended <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. And I, but then I had to go and like, you know, do my own research, which yeah. is helpful in itself. But at the same time, it's just kind of one of those situations where, you know, great, I know what I have, but you're telling me you can't operate or you couldn't. And then she was like, I went back to the team and nobody's willing to operate on you. It's too severe. It's this and that. And it was devastating for me, but like I pursued and I, you know, went to uh, talk to my family physician again to get a new referral and I was able to. And then I have the person who I use now as my specialist and they did like, you know, help me. So Mm -hmm. it's that persistence as well. That's important too. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can't give up, which it's, it's really tiring in the chronic illness space, like how much you have to be this like fierce advocate and keep yep. pushing people to listen to you. But it's like, yeah, like people like you and um, well, yeah, like us too, trying to just like make voices heard. And I think that the more that we keep doing the work that we're doing, it would definitely help people in the future. And hopefully people don't have to go see five doctors to get a diagnosis or wait till their freaking tubes are inverted until somebody (laughs) hears them. Like, absolutely unreal. Yeah, (laughs) it can't happen anymore. Needs to change. Exactly. So can you going off of that, can you talk yes. a little bit more about what endo events does? I've been to one of your events. Mm-hmm. That's where we met was your below the belt screening uh, in the winter. Yeah, oh my God. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah. Amanda couldn't. Yeah. It was a little, it was too, too bad of weather for her to, to join. Oh, but, yeah. um, it was such <laughs> a great event. Um, so that's how I found out about you both and endo events, but tell everyone who doesn't know, about a little bit more about what exactly it is and the different things that you guys put on. Yeah, so we do um variety of events um, within, I'll say Toronto slash GTA. Um, and it's for endo warriors, friends, family, people who want to get to know more information about endo as well. Um, so we bring in um very like different guests, so fertility doctors um physiotherapists naturopaths I'm trying to think um different guest speakers to help other relieve pain from endometriosis mentally physically um we've done different events from um I'm trying to think what we did so far so we did the blow the belt Mm -hmm. and we also did um we had a floor making, it was really cute. It was a floral making social. This was actually kind of after COVID a little bit. 
Um, but everyone, we got together and we did, um, we made, uh, we had florals and vases and put every arrangement, floor arrangement together. And nice. yeah, we did, Leah, help me out. I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> <laughs> so am I. That's why I haven't jumped in yet. No, we've done floor making, <laughs> a little bit about screening. We've done like um, sound bath meditation. Yeah, you guys did making. do that one not yep. that long ago because I remember seeing Correct. it. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah. And even um, so some things are virtual and some things are in person so that we can get like across to different people and use different avenues and channels to reach out. Um, oh my gosh, I feel we've done so much. It's wine tasting. Didn't we do tasting? Nice. Yeah, we did like a yeah. social. It was a social and we had like uh, the wine tasting there as well. That was fun too. Just remember just to kind yeah. of get to like, we, we see everybody on social media and we don't, haven't seen them in real life. Your social media friends, you know. Yeah. So the mm -hmm. fact that we're doing this event and that people and have these long-lasting, meaningful friendships through our events is amazing as well. Um, we did event, um, I think this was last year, uh, around the same time Flow the Belt. It was um, uh, at Nova Clinic. It was with Dr. Marjorie Dixon. Um, we talked about fertility. Um, so that was great mm -hmm. um, because a lot of people don't talk about fertility and endometriosis and how that those two are kind of <laughs> and play out together. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was a good event. Uh, very insightful. Um, and I actually, said, yeah, I met Laura who is a pelvic floor uh, therapist. She's a physio who specifically does pelvic floor at your below the belt. And then she came onto the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, yeah. Too. <laughs> mm -hmm. that's great bring everyone together yeah but, and like the mm -hmm. sense of like also community I think is yeah it's huge and it's, it's not huge. just like a support group because that stuff is like very very essential right like when you're going through stuff you need somebody to talk to but like talk therapy is like not always the best like going out and going with people that are in similar life situations as you yeah. like that's like the most comfortable kind of community that you can put yourself in and like and community is so important to overcoming all the challenges that you have. Like you, everybody living with a chronic illness, well, and especially with endometriosis, a lot of people have years of not being heard and years of like not being listened to and, and years of pain and silence and suffering. So like it, what you're, yeah, building a community is so important. belt for people who haven't like have no idea what you're talking about I know but there might be some people listening that don't know I know events and haven't been to the screening uh, so it's a film that showcases um four people who talk about their experiences with endo I actually know it could be more than four but maybe I think it's four I think it was four in the movie I think four yeah yeah oh so I was right okay so <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and you talk about their experiences with endo, um, and they all have different stories. And actually, as we're speaking today, it's like how we're talking about our stories, right? And then Blow the Belt had their, they have their own, but, and then they kind of connect on how to, um, what's the word? 
take it to the next step, like politically, right? Because mm-hmm. I believe there, there is a moment in the film where they're in, um, they're talking to a Congress person. Congress, I yeah. yeah. So they're taking it politically and and um, doing steps to um, get awareness heard for endometriosis. Um, but it's a really good film. Everyone should go watch it. <laughs> yeah, I, I when Amanda couldn't come, I my husband came with me, and he was like, "I thought I knew everything from you, but like it was so." like surreal to watch it as a movie because when you're in it it's it's even like your partner gets used to it too it's not like they're dismissing it or diminishing it but it's like they're so used it becomes your pain becomes normal to them too so to have like loved ones I think is like almost more important than having yourself be educated yeah, watch it with because, the fam or watch yeah. it with your friends if you can like if you're thinking mm-hmm. about watching it and he'll, it was Hillary does anybody Clinton know where you can find it, it? Yeah. You can- oh, sorry. I was answering about Hillary Clinton. Yes, correct. Yeah. Um, sorry. Was the next question you asked? Hillary, yeah, Hillary. Find below the belt. You can that go to the question. website below the belt, and you can. Um, I think you can rent it for personal screenings, or you can get in touch with the, the makers of the film on how to do like a public screening. And I think yeah. they're we're planning on putting it on a streaming service too, but I don't know if that ever happened. Wow. Okay. Great. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that would help. Mm-hmm. I was definitely yeah. worth it for people to see, even if you're like you were saying, supporters, even mm-hmm. passing it on to medical practitioners. Like I feel there's a lot in that film that would be eye-opening for anybody, mm-hmm. you know, members of parliament, politicians, and in med school, that's like what they have on the rainy days. They like roll in the TV. I'm dating myself. What are you talking about? I don't know what you're talking about. I've never seen that happen. Yeah. <laughs> I've never seen a TV on wheels. <laughs> I went to a Catholic grade school. So when they do that, they, they would turn the TV around if they didn't want us to see a certain a certain oh, yeah. like scene. And then the TV would be like looking against the wall, being like, okay, it's safe now. And then they turn the TV back around. Oh no. <laughs> I remember they did that with Romeo and Juliet, the Leonardo DiCaprio version. I think oh, yeah. it was like, like, oh, you can't oh they this. can't watch the kids in the bedroom so they would turn the tv around oh, no. <laughs> oh my gosh i love it <laughs> but you a part of the film you're right so one of the the girls i say girl because she was quite young um, what, high school but yeah like early. Her, yeah mm-hmm. she was quite young um which i think is important because a lot of a big myth about endometriosis is it doesn't happen to teenagers which it it does. No, it just um, takes for a bazillion years to get diagnosed. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. that's the difference. <laughs> and I think it was her uncle or there was some kind of a relationship between her and the congressman. And so they were able to bring it to him. Um, but, you know, you know, obviously that that's in the States. And you've both started with Andrew Events doing political action in Canada. So can you maybe speak to that a little bit? And then in tandem to that, the fact that in the movie or the documentary, the movie, the documentary, yeah. she was so young, you know, educating youth is a whole, I think a big, really big piece to all of it, including political action, because, you know, the the generations below us, they really like Gen Z and Gen Alpha, they are take political action like very seriously. Yeah. Um which is wonderful to see. I feel like as a millennial, we're we're very much 
kind of more of a passive generation where we're like some way we just are people pleasers. So it's, it's really interesting um, in a good way to see the younger generations really leaning into political action. So kind of tying those two things, how, how does that work with endo events? What is the kind of work that you both are doing with that? Yeah. So we recently started um, a petition. I would say it was um, in the summer, I think we started it. Um, to take action for endo and our asks were uh, more education in the school system because as you said before like no one's talking about it right you have your health classes and no one's mentioning mentioning talking about anything Mm -hmm. um and even some school boards even their selection of health class like it's it's not a lot Mm -hmm. (laughs) there was any news opportunities yeah um (laughs) So that uh, also more education um, within, uh, sorry, with the, the doctors, right? Um, mm-hmm. All everyone, what endo is? Yeah. <laughs> so when yeah. I was at the hospital years ago, when I was getting diagnosed, I had ovarian torsion. Like it'd be nice if someone read the report and was like, "Oh, maybe you know what I mean? It maybe mm-hmm. she might have this, you know." So yeah, should- like know some of the presenting symptoms and like could Correct. say, yeah. "Oh, maybe it's endo." Yeah, yeah. So more education, um, whether it be like in their schooling when they're going to school and they're becoming a, a doctor, um, things like that. Um, and then more funding in general for endometriosis because there's not a lot. And when you think about other chronic illnesses, diseases where funding has been put in, there's been a lot. But for endo, it's it's so small. So small. So small. Actually, and- you guys had that really great poster at the below the belt screening I took one and it's up in my office so in a law firm there okay. it is it's Ooh, big that- and it and it shows like the graphic with the girl and then it has like how much funding how many missed days of work things like that and I have it in my office so everyone who comes in sees it yes cool. yeah our That's friend Val, um, who goes by the happy pelvis on Instagram she uh, created that for us and yeah such a great oh. poster yeah, yeah. We follow. I'll take her. a photo of it for you, Amanda. I've I've probably shown you too, though, Amanda. But yeah, it's in my. I put it in my office. That's a yeah, great idea. In, I'm like, have that's you seen awesome. my poster? <laughs> that's well, that's like how you build. And that was our hope awareness. as well. There's so exactly. many other campaigns around, like where you're just, like sticking a poster somewhere. So mm-hmm. maybe that's what we need to do. Just like fire up posters everywhere. <laughs> Yeah. It would be great. Like my my doctor specialist has it up now in his office, which is amazing. That's awesome. Um, That's I good. asked him. He was like, "Absolutely." So you know, just at least if it because it discusses like funding and it discusses like um it outlines. I mean, like even the symptoms and whatnot. So just like a visual reminder for people, just to kind of have a look and then kind of see. Oh, maybe that is what I have, and mm-hmm. start a conversation. We should start a GoFundMe to get a massive billboard on the DVP. Oh, that is imagine. very similar to oh that. Goodness. We should. Let's do that, that would actually, yeah. <laughs> post it on Instagram. Like, imagine like a snippet of that as a massive yeah. billboard on the DVP that mm-hmm. everyone sees at the bottleneck. It, yeah, because yeah, everybody's getting stuck. Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> That Let's would reach it. everybody we need to, yeah. 
let's play a game maybe amanda do you want to play our game yeah we'll play a game and uh unless there's like any other really important things you guys want to talk about talk about before we play the game and then let you both get on with your day and I know it's uh, my day off and Veronica's day off. I'm sure it's your day off too. So yeah. we'll just relax. <laughs> yeah. I'll mention that for the petition, um, Dr. Jill Andrew, the MPP, she'll be tabling the petition um, this fall. Um, and again, just look out for where we're going to meet at Queen's Park. So look out for that date where everyone's going to come together and rally for endometriosis. So just look out for that. Love it. We're planning. We're in the works. So, yeah. Yeah, it's a huge There's thing. There's a lot like, going on. It is. There is. It's, and it's also, like, it sucks that you have to be doing this. But at the same time, it's so amazing that you are. Like, for me as a lawyer, for as soon as I was diagnosed, I was like, all I do is advocate for my clients. And I was like, I think it's time I, like, advocate for myself. Mm-hmm. And kind of, like, changing that mindset. Um, so I love it. I definitely will. Um, we'll have you guys plug your, your, where to find you in a minute, but first let us play a game. game. Let us play a game. So we are going to ask each of you individually, if you were deserted on a desert Island, so you're on this Island, you can't get off, can only bring three things. You know, people play this game all the time, but the three things you can bring are in relation to your endometriosis. You only pick yeah, three like things. Your endo faves. <laughs> what would your three mm. things be that you need for a flare? Yeah, but only three. What would you bring? Ooh. This is good. <laughs> only three. Okay. Okay. So hot water bottle. Okay. Um. And let's just pretend that you can get hot water or a microwave. Like it's oh, hypothetical. Yeah. You can access, it's part of it, it's part of it. Yeah, there's a microwave there. (laughs) There's a microwave, there's a kettle. (laughs) Oh, I was going to bring a microwave and a kettle, so those are off my list. Yeah, you don't need to worry about those. It's 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 attached. It's a perpetually hot water bottle. Island. (laughs) This island sounds amazing. Okay. All right. (laughs) So heat pad. This is hard. Yeah, heat pad is going to be mine, too. Okay. Um, Tammy, hot tea. Heat pad. <clears throat> heat pad mm. a tea, like a ginger, like calming sort of tea for okay. tummy stuff. Your favorite tea. Is there bag? a toilet on the island? Sure. <laughs> there needs to be a I won't bring that. I won't bring that. <laughs> You're that. being so, Lee is being so like so practical. Like, practical. <laughs> this is always how I because I'm like, should I bring a toilet? Is there already one? Like, okay. <laughs> Let's Am pretend there's a, the island? Like- there's a toilet. There's a okay. toilet. There's a toilet and there's a microwave and a kettle. Ooh, okay. <laughs> paper? What are you going to say? Toilet paper? Oh, <laughs> yeah. Toilet <laughs> paper is a good one. <laughs> I always wondered, like, on Survivor and stuff, do they use the leaves? Do they just go in the water? Like, I always think, like, I can't watch that show because I'm always, like, overanalyzing, like. <laughs> oh my like yeah, I'm like, how do you like butt? <laughs> yeah, I'm just, okay, so. <laughs> Like, Do they have a bidet installed? Like, yeah, like. Okay. The toilet has a bidet. Seriously, it has a bidet oh, and it's unlimited it. toilet paper. Okay. <laughs> Where <laughs> is this island? <laughs> okay. It's an island with a really nice bathroom, like a throne okay. room. Yeah, <laughs> that's a bathroom. Okay. <laughs> And I do like to try to snuggle with like warmth, so like a nice, warm, comfy blanket for like when you're just feeling. 
Okay, so Leah's is a heat pad, tummy tea, tea and, and a, a blanket. Okay, Tammy, yours is yeah. a hot heat pad. What are your other two? Um. Ooh. Okay. So I'm okay. Something. So what I do is, if I'm like paint it all, I crave the most random foods ever, and I swear it brings me comfort. So mm. I'm gonna say like, like a big mac with my chicken or something. So Mine would probably it. be pickles if I had to do something along those lines. <gasps> yes. Crave okay. like like the most like greasiest thing like ever. Like okay. nowhere. So I would bring something like like okay. food wise. I would pack like a picnic basket with like greasy stuff food. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's There's, like a my yeah. <laughs> There's a fridge. There's a fridge bad. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then literally everything here. <laughs> yeah. And then I would say, I would say tea. Cause after all that greasy shit, I need like tea to bounce that out. <laughs> I, you guys just, the heat pad, I was like, okay, we're on the right track. And you guys just completely went a separate way from what I ever thought your answers were going to be. I love it though. That's great. See, everyone's yeah. different. Everyone's different. That's right. Had tea I would, and yeah. fave foods. Well, greasy foods. Like greasy foods. foods. I, I agree with the tea. Like I feel like raspberry leaf tea really, really does it for me. So I'm actually currently doing like you know how you can make tinctures with herbs. I'm mm-hmm. I'm trying one out with raspberry leaf tea to make mm-hmm. like a tincture. So I I think hopefully it'll be more potent than making a tea. I'll let you know if it works. It might and not. You it might be just drop it on your yeah. tongue, right? Yeah, yeah. Instead mm-hmm. of always because you don't always have the ability like on a desert island to make a tea. Exactly. <laughs> but on this one, you do. <laughs> Are you both able to plug your social media and where we can find you and also um, the petition uh, yeah, signing? Where, How, can find- where can we do that? How can people get involved? Yeah. So our Instagram is at endo events. So E N D O E V E N T S, endo events. Twitter is the same thing as well. Um, petition, it actually has to be signed physically, like in person. So it can't be something that's digital to sign. Um, so, uh, you can reach out to us at endo events on Instagram and, uh, we'll mail over the petitions to you as well. So you could sign it and then return it to us. Awesome. And we'll link all of that on the show notes as well. Is there a website people can find or is it mostly social media? Uh, website is well, as well. So it's endometri, uh, oh my gosh, endometriosisevents.com. They can reach us out there as well. Um, but yeah, but mostly Instagram is always easy to get. But mm-hmm. and you post all your mm-hmm. events there too. So if you follow yeah. Instagram yeah. and you're you're a GTA yeah. girly like me, you can definitely see what's going on. But also if you're it's just good to to know about these things and what's going on politically and advocacy wise, whether you are Toronto or not. So we'll be sure to link all of that in the show notes so people can find you. And you guys are gonna do a blog post too that's gonna go into a little bit more depth about what endo events are so thank you both so much for coming on yeah this was such a great conversation what a great way to spend a sunday morning um well like i said we'll link everything people can find you definitely give them a follow and we hope you guys have a great rest of your day that's a wrap from us at pip thanks for listening if you enjoyed this episode be sure to like comment and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts 
follow us on all the socials at the Pip Podcast at Periods and Pain. Also, don't forget to check out our weekly blog post every Sunday at periodsandpain.ca. Until next time, keep pipping. The Pip Podcast is a division of Periods and Pain. The Pit Podcast is produced and edited by Veronica Guido and Amanda Thompson. Social media by Veronica Guido and Amanda Thompson.